Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. There you hear him. The victory horns following UFC 295 and they sound for the two new champions. Alex Pereira, the new light heavyweight champion, and Tommy Aspinall, the new interim heavyweight champion, both getting finishes in the main and co-main event, respectively, to cap off just a wild-ass night at Madison Square Garden. Welcome to the UFC 295 post-fight show. I am Mike Heck, still here in New York City, joined by two of my favorites. We have the wise wordsmith, who was on the watch party with us for the main event, the great Sean Alshadi, deputy editor from MMAfighting.com. What a night. And what a night. What a night, man. What a friggin' night. And the men's whose voice you've been hearing for the last little while during the never-ending post-fight press conference, Mr. Jed Mishu, Mr. Hot Take himself. Hello, Jed. Hey, guys. What a night of fights. You guys, one, I have bones to pick with several of you from the preview show, which I listened and then reached out to AK afterwards. It was like everyone was on one. I don't know what y'all were talking about, but you did accurately establish this. This was one for us, and it delivered. It's absolutely delivered. The, the two Mashulin stars feel very justified right now. Yes, this is one of those cards where, yeah, this is a hardcore fan's delight. Those who bought it were satisfied and those who didn't are probably pissed that they didn't buy it but at the end of the day we watched and we're thrilled about it so before we get into the major storylines i know we're prisoners of the moment gentlemen i know how this works this is a very recency biased sport 2023 has been a chaotic year shaheen al shadi we've had some weird things happen we've had some memorable events ufc 295 if this was an award for the best card of the year. Is this number one? Is this number one? Is this, it's at least in the conversation, is it not? 
I want to answer your question, but also Jed's making an incredible face right now that I, I, I need to know what's going on. This is the set. I just realized something. We went over. I could have won our pre our at the beginning of the year. We do the the three pick three new champions. If 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 Yuri wins, I would have won with one win. Instead, Yuri gets bonked, and now we we missed entirely. Oh, oh no! Just right now, that instead of beating you, I just tie you, which is so disappointing to me. Oh boy! Nobody in the audience knows what we're talking about, but this is the first year no. in like five years that nobody has gotten one right. That's that's tremendous. That no, shows we you how great. that that is very emblematic of of the question you asked me, Mike. Heck. You asked me, "Is this the craziest year?" Uh, no, you didn't ask me that. You asked, "Is this the best card of the year?" Um, maybe like the funnest card, certainly, right? Like I think there. I'm trying to remember back. It's hard in the, when you do these sort of in the moment things. Uh, I remember there being a really really fun card in the summer where it was mostly finishes. Um, was that the Was that the Poirier card? The Poirier Gaethje card. Yeah, that was good too. That was really good too. I, I don't know. It's too hard for me to say right now that this was the best card of of 2023. It was certainly a very very fun time and an incredibly violent night. Uh, with a lot of res- like results that I think are we're going to be talking about for quite a while, and that we uh, some of which we'll we'll probably look back on uh, years from now and just be like, wow, that was the start of something. Jed, we had five finishes in the main card. We had a fight of the year contender at one fifty five. We had a super fun flyweight fight. We had some big finishes on the prelims. This card was awesome, but how awesome was it compared to the others of twenty twenty three? So Casey and I were talking about this a little on the presser. Um, I think if the we kind of came sort of we agreed on the main event and how it ended, I I don't we don't I don't I'm not too upset by it, but it also wasn't like the really satisfying ending that you like want with a bullet, and so it detracts a little bit from the rest of the card. And the main event is so important to how cards are perceived after the fact. You could have a great card, and if the main event you know, as a snoozer, it kind of ruins everything or a, a good main event can elevate an otherwise like pretty forgettable card. And this one with that, I think means instead of this being no doubt about it, this was the best card of the year. Now it's going to be a conversation because we can't be too much prisoners of the moment. Like 291, which was the Gaethje Poirier one that also had Derek Lewis's flying knee um, that had, I think that was Tony Ferguson, um, Bobby Green and, and that choke and that good fight, like, um, like that was also a great card. Two ninety, as you mentioned, you know that's the Volkaji is like that's that card had a bunch of good things. There are other very good cards. I think nothing stands head and shoulders above. This is in the conversation though. If we do an event of the year at the end of end of the year award, this is absolutely going to be there. And I think. If Pereira gets a, a more ironclad finish at the top, I think this probably is the the leader in the clubhouse right now. And it still may be, honestly, because when you get a main card that co- combined the fights lasted like 10 total minutes, there are three absolutely insane knockouts, two cha- like new champions, a fight of the year on the undercard, plus a bunch of other awesome stuff happening. Like This may still be leader in the clubhouse, but I, I do – want to kind of caution against being too prisoner of the moment right now yeah 285 is really good 287 was really good 290 was really really good yeah. and then this is right up there as well. was great. 
Yeah, 291 is a good one. I mean, there's there's lots to talk about here. And that leads me to my next question, Shaheen, because Jed brought it up. You were on for the watch party when Alex Pereira did the damn thing, became a two-division champion in just his seventh UFC fight, his 11th pro MMA fight. The dude has broken the rankings. He's broken the entire system as we know it. But as Jed mentioned, perhaps a little bit of controversy Broadcasters thought the stoppage might have been early. A lot of people thought the stoppage might have been early. But the one man who didn't think it was early was the man who was stopped. Yuri Prohashka basically said, nah, man, I was done, but I'm an absolute psychopath and I'm never going to stop fighting even if I'm out. Classic Yuri answer. So now that the dust has set a little bit, a couple of hours have passed. Yuri said what he had to say. Do you feel any differently about it? Do you feel like the stoppage is a little questionable? Do you feel like this is mired in some sort of controversy or ultimately are you okay with it? Uh, Well, I mean, ultimately I'm okay with it, right? Like on the watch party with you guys in the moment, I mean, pretty much as soon as it happened, I I, I sort of called out, like, I don't know about that stoppage that felt a tad early for me, especially for a guy like Yuri who, you know, Yuri's durable as hell. But the thing is, we get to see his durability tested often, right? Like that guy gets kind of flash KO'd very, very often and seems to come back from it pretty quickly. Kind of seemed like that was happening again. Uh, but ultimately, if, if I, 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 I'm one of those guys, if you, if I shy towards the fighter and if Yuri is out here, incredibly classy by him, by the way, if he's out here saying, no, nah, I was out, it was a good stoppage, then, then I'm not going to quibble with him. Ultimately, to me, if, if, you're, if anyone is trying to make that the story of tonight, that this was, you know, some controversial stoppage and that's the biggest takeaway. Like, I I think you're just looking at this whole thing wrong because I'm still sitting here. Like, I've been sitting here for the last hour or two putting together my post-fight column for this event, just trying to almost contextualize and put it, make, make it make sense, really, of what Alex Pereira has done over the last couple of years, what he did tonight, just generally this body of work that we have now watched this man do. What and are you coming it up with? Is, it's just fucking crazy man like all t- <laughs> like i like there are, you could you could wax poetic all you want but like this is just unreal on a on a level that we just like kind of don't ever see right like we were in this exact same space four months ago when i said that alex Pereira is speed running his way to a hall of fame ufc career and what do you know the dude did it he like that that is now what happened he is a hall of famer tonight if he if his career ended tonight he would go into the ufc hall of fame first ballot as a two-division champion like that in and of itself is incredible but then you just sort of look down the list like right like there is so many just different weird stats things that you could throw out that makes this just one of the strangest things i've ever seen right because this is a guy who seven ufc fights to his name he kicked off this second act well into his mid-30s and at that point he was already a glory hall of famer right like he is in the glory hall of fame decade-long kickboxing career and now he's what one of eight, I think, two division champions in the thirty years the UFC's done this. He's headlining nine. like all these weird MSG nine nine. There you go. All these weird MSG stats where he's headlined like two of the top three gates ever at Madison Square Garden. He's the only MMA fighter to be undefeated three and zero at basically the world's most famous arena. And then it's just like you compare him to the other two division champs, right? Like none of them have accomplished this at nearly the same pace and rate that this guy has. Like you, they're the only two who are even close. Were Randy Couture, who did it in nine fights, and BJ Penn, who did it in 11 fights. And you look at those names, like, that's such a different era. 
that is such a different area of doing that. That that is an area where rankings and rankings didn't exist, and divisions were kind of treated a lot more loosey goosey than they are today. None of this makes any sense. I mean, you look at Alex Pereira's whole entire MMA career, not even the UFC run, right? Whole entire MMA career, he has nearly as many fights against UFC champions five as he does his whole career against non-champs and that's including the regional scene six like this is all just absurd he's racking up wins in just in in names on this resume in ways that don't even make sense and then the izzy factor of all this too right where it's just these two are so inextricably linked forever and seemingly everything that israel adesanya wanted to do wanted to accomplish with his ufc career alex Perez now kind of done it right double champ done it Beat Jan Bukovic up with up a division. Done it. Brutally knock out Sean Strickland. Done it. And of course, he's up on the series too. Three out of four in that series. Well, all of this is just unbelievable. I it's I, I've not really seen every anything ever like this. And ultimately it's a singular thing, right? Like we are looking at a career that is a one-of-one. One. We are looking at a career that will not be matched just in terms of the the sheer feats that we're talking about here. Uh it's 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 incredible man it's incredible and like it's incredible too because it's this thing where you can caveat it there can there can be so many caveats if you want to throw that out josh barnett was just on on my on me on my ass on twitter to already like talking about ah he's just fought kickboxers he hasn't fought a real mma fight and like sure this run has been weird and manicured and a lot of these stylistic matchups have been very advantageous to us but also again he's fighting champions he's beating the champions he's beating the guys who matter it's just crazy man it's absolutely crazy what do you think about this, Jed? Because, you know, as a guy who stands behind, hey, it's more impressive to stay in one division and just run off a bunch of title defenses. Like that's more impressive than being a two division champion now. There's far there's more basically more two division champions in the history of the UFC than fighters who have defended their title multiple times. So, you know, times, times. Times. Yeah, it's it's a lot at this point. But what Alex Pereira has done here. Where do you put this? Like, how do you digest this all, especially the way that you feel about two division champions? Not that you're taking away from it. It just it somehow lost its luster in a lot of respects. But Alex Pereira is just it's just unheard of and unbelievable in so many ways. It is. And so I want to walk what's going to be a pretty fine line here, because it's not to say that this isn't an accomplishment. This is obviously a tremendous accomplishment. If you're doing something that only eight other people in history have done, you're, you're on a pretty good path, right? Like that's, that's not not a lot of company in that particular room. So, and that like I think some thirty four odd people have attempted to do it, right? So like there have been people in this position who have won a belt and fighting for another one. And the list is enormous. Frankie Edgar, you know, was a terrific fighter and failed to do that. Max Holloway failed to pull this off. He has now done something that many people have failed to do. That is worthy of like, that's very meritorious. It's an incredible accomplishment. And sort of the way Shaheen was talking about this is right. Like it's, it defies our understanding of how the sport works in a lot of ways, in a way that is compelling and interesting. But at the same time, I love Alex Pereira now because Alex Pereira is going to be exhibit one in my argument of, hey, you know why I'm always like you should just defend your belt because it's really more impressive? This is why because it is, it would be disingenuous to say Alex Pereira is is the example of you know being being the best fighter in the world. He got pretty favorable matchmaking and he won the fights. You if if they give you the alley-oop you gotta ram the thing home and he did it but 
He got sped run into a middleweight title fight against a guy he had a pre-baked storyline with, won that fight, and then moves up and got fast-tracked again. And he, he is doing the things that are asked of him. He, you can only fight the guys put in front of you. But we don't also have to bear our head in the sand and be like, his middleweight title shot is the same as Drickus Duplessis' middleweight title shot, who had to beat like eight dudes or whatever. It's they're not the same, and that's how this game works. Not all title fights, not all title shots are created equal. Some people have to earn it more for one reason or another. He has hacked the game in a way that's incredibly beneficial for him, and he has still delivered when he needed to, and that rules. But I do think that after this kind of initial holy shit, like, I don't even know how to react to this, right? Like, who, he did this faster than anybody in history. Like, that, no one's ever going to do this again. What does this mean? I think when the dust settles, everyone's going to be like, okay, what this means is still really impressive, but maybe, maybe this is more indicative of what double champ status means. Because in the end, what double champ status has certainly become, maybe it wasn't always this way, but it is definitely this way basically since Connor. It's, it is converting on an opportunity that not everybody gets, right? Like not everybody has the opportunity to do it because other people could have done this. Prayer to his credit did it, and we should celebrate the hell out of it because like there are a lot of dudes who don't beat Yuri Prohashka tonight. But it's he's just going to be this super weird anomaly, and it's awesome. I love things like that in sport. And that's the thing. That's the thing that that I still am like sitting here struggling with as we're trying to contextualize this. And just because, because like Alex Pereira's whole entire existence sort of defies the logic that we seemingly work within within this sport, right? Like it defies the no. history that we work no, within does. within this sport. No, it, well, it, okay, it, maybe it maybe not even very hold on. clear logic. No, no. Well, that maybe it doesn't defy it. Then it redefines it. It redefines it in a way that is clearer to see than we have really ever seen somebody pull off, right? Because you're right, he is getting, like the, the middleweight run was fairly manicured for the most part, although it, it looks a lot better now that he beat the current middleweight champion and sent that dude to the land of winds and ghosts. That looks a lot better now, that aged pretty well. But also the, this light heavyweight run, again, a lot of opportunity involved in this, right? Like this was a weird messed up division and he sort of entered it at the right time, right place. And he pulled it off. But that's the thing. He's pulling it off. Like, ultimately, you can't take away from it. Because, like, Izzy got this opportunity. Izzy did not convert on it. Alexander Volkanovsky got this opportunity twice. He did not convert on it. Ultimately, one the, Alex Pereira is the guy who is converting on these opportunities. And it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy, man. For, to, for, for this person to have started this so late in his life in his athletic life and be able to be pulling this off at the speed with which he's done where he's been in the ufc for what like two years two and a half years and we're talking about it like this it again it defies convention and it really does sort of redefine the rules in a way that is so overt and just like wow like you did it dude you really did it like you broke this game you fundamentally broke this game and then put it back together in a way that you wanted it to be and it worked out for you it's incredible man it's incredible like, i i am not going to take anything away from it but here's the convention, right, Shaheen? Because you actually touched on this. The convention is just, I'm just going to take everything Israel Adesanya ever worked for. This is this is the greatest gimmick in Everything! Oh, oh, you couldn't beat Jan Blachowicz? I got him. Oh, you couldn't win a light heavyweight belt? 
I got him. We need to get this dude matched up against Philip Verlinden in kickboxing because that's, as far as I can tell, that's the only dude that Izzy ever lost to that prayer hasn't beaten. Just have him fight that dude to just do his whole career and be like, got you, homie. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> it really is incredible. So what was interesting about all of this, Shaheen, is that Alex Pereira wins the belt. You got Jamal Hill traveling to MSG. He's had a pretty crazy weekend in a lot of ways. In the crowd, probably expecting to maybe get in the cage and maybe go face-to-face with Alex Pereira. And what does Pereira do? Calls out his old buddy Israel Adesanya. Were you surprised by that? No. Of course I wasn't surprised by this. I have been saying this was going to happen for like the last six months. Like this was th- these two. They're the the way these the relationship between these two. Like it is bordering mystical with like the forces that are that are at work seemingly constantly to bring these guys together. Right? Like we just went down the list of everything Alex is doing is just basically an, an insane troll job on Izzy. But like that, we we I said it when they had their second fight in the UFC. And Izzy won. That this is not settled. This nothing about this feels settled. Maybe it feels settled to Izzy because he finally got the one, and he's able to now post this meme over and over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe that's how where this will end. Is that because it, it certainly seems like he does not want to do this over again. And I can't really blame him, if I'm being honest. Right? Like it's not a fight that I would be eager for as well if I'm Izzy. But it does feel like we are pummeling towards just some return of the Jedi type of epic conclusion to whatever this is, whether it's the UFC having a pony up money to convince Izzy to do it or whatever. I love the call by Alex Pereira. That is the, that is what you should do if you're Alex Pereira in that spot, because here's the thing, like the Jamal Hill matchup. That's cool. That's fine. I understand wanting to give it to Jamal Hill. I understand him earning it and deserving it. Right. Jamal Hill towards Achilles, dude. Like that's not a quick injury. That's not an injury. That's going to, he's going to be back anytime soon. Like that is a long painful rehabilitation that is a bad bad injury and if i'm alex Pereira, i'm 36 years old i'm not waiting until i'm 37 to get back in the cage like i'm not i'm not just sitting out whatever this big earning window of of my career really is like whatever this these last few years that you have after having a really hard kickboxing career and then this other thing on the side that you're also apparently very good at i'm not trying to kill that momentum because right now that guy's got momentum in spades if i'm alex Pereira, i want I'm, I'm trying to get izzy back which he did very well uh i don't think that's going to take at least not right now so then i'm just convincing the ufc you need to book johnny walker versus magomed and kalaya too you need to book that tomorrow like we need to figure this out because i'm not it would be promotional malpractice to steal a phrase from my old friend if the ufc made this man with this type of momentum sit on the sidelines till like august like that is ridiculous, and this division has been so broken in a way that has been almost funny for the last couple of years. But it is now somewhat salvaged, and we have at least a path to get it back on the right track. Don't sit this man. Do not sit this man just to wait out a Jamal Hill fight. That you know, like, hey, again, Jamal won the title. It was a very weird circumstance that he won the title with. He was not some long reigning title title holder. He did not rack up four or five, six title defenses. We do not need to wait. He can get the shot when he's ready, but I, I don't want to see Alex just sit out until that. What did you think of the college, Ed? Because we're trying to get this division back to some kind of normalcy. This probably doesn't accomplish that in a lot of respects, but I get where I get where Alex is coming from. Yeah, why? I mean, 
Jamal could probably won't be till the summer, even though that's probably the most, it's one of the most interesting fights that the UFC could put together right now, but it's just not going to happen for a while. Does he want to fight Ankaliyev? Probably not. Walker? I don't know. But Izzy's a big fight. It's a huge fight. So what did you make of the call out? One, uh, shout to him. I thought it was a really respectful call out, which, because like the way he said it, like, I mean, you know, there were tinges and undertones there, but it was like, hey, this dude got me off a bar stool and committed to getting back here. He wants to take some time off. I want to do the same thing for him. I thought it was really weird, Izzy's response to it. I'm not Izzy. I don't know what's going through his mind, but like, you just got dummied. Like, you just got dummied by a dude in one of the bigger, bigger upsets in the history of this sport. And you are now getting a gift to win a second title being offered to you. And he's just like, ha ha, scoreboard, even though the scoreboard actually is 3 1. Like, it's, it was a very weird, like, dismissal from Izzy. Um, but I don't love the call out in general because. I would not like to see Izzy fight for the light heavyweight belt coming off an absolute demolition by Sean Strickland at middleweight. But I totally get why why Pereira did it. Like that fight makes all the sense in the world for him from a business standpoint. So probably isn't going to be what ends up happening. But honestly, it kind of would make sense for the UFC right now because they don't have Magomed Ankalaev lined up because Johnny Walker if, – if one of those dudes had won that fight, but they didn't. So – Outside of that, you're, you're took, looking at a rematch with Jan Blahovich. Like, maybe you just vault Nikita Krylov in there if Pereira was trying to get back in there. And while that fight would be fun as hell, and I'm super here for it, the, we're, we're not doing that. We all know that. So, kind of makes some sense. Uh, I ultimately would prefer not to see it, but the biggest thing to me is I, Pereira does not have long. He's 36. He's been fighting for a million years. I don't like like Shaheen said. I don't want to see him sit out until the late summer. If he's ready to go, waiting for Jamal Hill, like no, just just have him fight dudes. The way to get this division on track per se is simply to have a dude fight for the belt repeatedly instead of what happened this year, which was a lot of weirdness. So just get him in there against any one body. I'm I'm okay with it. Hell, man, just give him Johnny Walker. Just give just give him somebody. Be because Yamba Kodes isn't even in the picture. Him and Rakic is already booked for the beginning of the year. Like that rematch. So like, give yeah. him the key to Krilov. Hey, if, if you're so the UFC, fun. honestly, it should if it should be anybody, it should be Mangomed and Kalaev because he probably should yes. have had the belt already. But it's very yeah. clear that he was maybe. Yeah. It's clear the UFC isn't maybe in a rush to get him to that spot. So if they're going to take an, an approach of Alex for four rounds or whatever, it'll just be boring. Yeah, if they're going to take an approach of you had your shot and you didn't convert, then give it to Johnny Walker. Just get just give him somebody to keep this belt active because this division sucked for the last like year, and we don't need that anymore. Like, let's just get it going again. What do you think is a bigger fight from a promotional standpoint? Let's just say. UFC 300 rolls around. UFC's in the war room. Dana and the in the guys trying to figure this thing out. Izzy calls him and says, "All right, I'm ready to fight at UFC 300." Shaheen, I'll ask you, what's the bigger fight? Is it the trilogy for the light heavyweight title with Izzy, or is it DDP Izzy if DDP beats Sean Strickland in January? They're both interesting, but what one do you think is bigger? You said DDP Izzy, so like, if you mean at middleweight. 
like if Izzy calls the UFC and says, hey, I'm ready to come back at UFC 300. My sabbatical is over. I'm ready to go. DDP has the middleweight title. Alex Pereira has the light heavyweight title. So the UFC has to make a choice here. Do they go Izzy Pereira three for the light heavyweight title or do they go Izzy DDP for the middleweight title? I mean, that's tough because I'm working with incomplete information, right? Because at this present moment right now, today, as we're doing this show, Alex Pereira is a bigger star than Drigas Duplessis. If Drigas Duplessis goes in there and just absolutely smashes on Sean Strickland and cuts a promo and just does his thing, uh, he, he might be the next guy. Then maybe he has that momentum and then we're working under a different set of circumstances. So if you're just asking me right now, I would say the trilogy fight, no question, because that's just inherently going to be big. There's a built-in storyline. It feels unfinished. I think a lot of people will tune in for that and, and be aware of the past couple fights and just want to see that. Uh, the Izzy DDP thing will always be there, but if it that I mean, that certainly would be a very good option for the UFC as well, especially given the circumstances in that setting. It would be what we have laid out before on various other shows, Mike Heck, where it's Izzy coming in, sort of reverse the dynamic. He's the challenger against the champion, DDP, who's the guy holding the belt. Like all of that would just be weird. So those are both big fights. But if you're asking me just right now, I would think the trilogy. Yeah, what do you think of that? And also, just to add, because there's a lot to talk about here, uh, where does Yuri Prohashka go from here? I think the trilogy under any circumstances is just going to be bigger. I mean, they've already fought twice. They've both of those did good business. I think it just it makes the most sense. No matter what DDP does, I don't think he's going to surpass Pereira in this next fight. Um, plus, I know that not everyone's going to be on board, but as the original, we should just book DDP as he and let's make this happen as fast as possible. As the original, that guy, uh, at this point, if we're booking that for a title, buddy, just put it in Africa. Like, just lean all the way into the bad skid. Like, don't do that in Vegas. Like, just do it in Africa. Why the hell not blow the doors off the thing, you know? So I would definitely go Trilogy there. As far as Yuri, there's plenty of room for Yuri, which is like that's kind of the great part about this fight is, you know, the the storyline coming in is, dude, these dudes haven't fought that much. Yuri had 30 fights in the UFC, and, and Alex had seven and one in light heavyweight before this. Yuri has a list of dudes in this weight class that he hadn't beaten. Like he hadn't fought, he hadn't been in there with. Pick pick a dice and roll it. Like whoever's around, you know, the the loser of the Jan Blahovich uh, Alexander Rakic fight. It it doesn't matter because he's Yuri. He's gonna make it fun as hell. My personal thing that I think the most I would want to see. Ooh, that's a now I, I had one and now I'm trying to think. Let me pull up the UFC's rankings real fast and see kind of what would be too deep for them to drop it back. No, yeah, um, I'd rather just do Johnny Walker Yeri because that's going to be chaos incarnate. So run that. Hell yeah with that. Let Like if, if I'm booking things for the sake of me, I would do Magomed and Goliath gets a title shot because I think he's the best light heavyweight in the world and we should just stop fiddling around with this and let him get the belt. And then I would just be like, hey, Yeri, Johnny Walker, just – go bang into each other for a while it's gonna be really fun yeah i mean but i also would accept nikita krilov because he's also a lunatic so they'll be really fun too yeah the options are a plenty uh it'll be really interesting to see where yuri goes from here it's gonna be super interesting to see where alex goes from here but alex did the damn thing and 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. As did Tom Aspinall, Shaheen Alshadi. Tommy Aspinall rolls in 12 days' notice. Apparently, he strained his back, so barely trained for this fight, as he told Laura Sanko, and which certainly surprised Dana White, but certainly didn't look like a man who was hurt. He just goes in there and starches Sergey Pavlovich in 69 seconds. Absolutely ridiculous performance. And Tom is getting over like Rover, man. He is getting over. His next fight is going to be gigantic. It's probably going to be in the UK. He's probably going to defend that interim title. But golly, what a what a time to be Tommy Aspinall, who, what, 15 months ago suffered a catastrophic injury 16, 17 months ago against Curtis Blades. And then fast forward November of 2023, the dude is the interim heavyweight champion of the world. What a night for Tommy Aspinall, was it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, man, the the weird thing, like this fight is was so weird in in pre-event because it's just like we we knew this was going to happen at some point, right? Like this was predestined almost. Like this is the future of the heavyweight division. We all know this is the future of the heavyweight division. At some point, these two guys were going to fight for the title. And the fact that we got it this early was just almost kind of weird. And now we're already at this place with Tom Aspinall where it almost feels like too premature to have gotten to this place, but it's very clear that we need to be in this place. This, the guy's a special talent, man. Like so a lot of us were on an early jet. I know you were on it early. You you had him as your number one heavyweight in the world for a while now, while now, but like the what he has been able to pull off, and in particular with what you mentioned, Mike, about what we found out afterwards, where it's not only that he took this challenge on like less than two weeks' notice, which apparently, by the way, if we ever if you ever have an Englishman coming into a UFC title fight on like two weeks' notice, apparently that's never bet against that person because you're just not gonna have a bad or you're not gonna have a good time at all. Uh, but also the fact that like a back injury has basically held him out for the past like 10 days to the point where he was saying that he's not even he wasn't even sure he was going to be actually able to fight until literally tonight yeah i don't know i mean i I know we're trying not to be reactionary but i think we might actually be looking at the man who's finally going to carry that consecutive ufc title record for heavyweight past the stipe miocic mark where i think stipe has three and everyone else sort of has two I think Tom's going to be that guy. Like this is a a new breed heavyweight, right? Like this is a special talent. This is the athleticism, the precision with which he throws his his any everything he's got, and then the ability to just cover the great distances too that he does as quickly as he does. It is so remarkably unique for this heavyweight division. And ultimately, I I, I got to admit, like I left tonight almost just being like pre bummed out that like we're not going to see the fight we should actually be seeing. 
Because Tom Aspinall versus John Jones is the fight we should be seeing. And after tonight, there is a 1% chance, if that, that we ever see that fight. Because John Jones is not going to stick around to fight this man. Everything we know about the past 15 years of John Jones' UFC career is that man takes calculated risks only. And there's no reason for him to have to stick around long enough to fight Tom Aspinall. He is going to fight Steve Miocic. He's going to beat the heck out of old man Steve Miocic next year. And then he is going to retire. And they're going to rob a Whitaker this whole situation post-Bisbing where they just kind of anoint Tom as uh, from the interim to the real champion and i am bummed out because that would be by far the most interesting the most compelling john jones matchup that we have seen since the first daniel cormier fight which was like eight years ago somehow we're all getting very old guys uh but like the fact that we're not going to get it is gonna it's just it's already like pre-pissing me off what do you think about that andy was so andy was so wholesome too like in the post-fight presser john just let me fight for my dreams you know let me let me do this please john like i love everybody so great i'll tell you my big takeaway i am so excited to hate tom aspinall in two years it's gonna be <laughs> great. because dude this is exactly where i was with alexander volkanovsky i was a huge volk guy before he won the belt i was like this guy's coming this guy's amazing he's gonna be dope and then then he got the belt and he was there for a while and then it just turned and I, I see it I see the path here for Tom Aspinall to turn I'm gonna love hating this dude in like three years it's gonna be ideal um yeah I mean Shaheen's right like it would be great to to get the John Jones fight like that's I don't know what John Jones is anymore he's fought once in the last three years it was a heavyweight it was a squash match like I in your head you think that this would be great and maybe it would be uh it it will only ever live there though this fight's just never going to happen because like why would john ever take this fight unless we dismiss it enough if we collectively come together and we all just (laughs) john's scared john i love this take this is the best take of the night you're so scared right now. You were scared of Francis. That's why it took you three years to come up to heavyweight. And now all you want to do is fight an old geriatric man who like literally looks like he is on his way to a retirement party. And you don't want, you don't want this smoke from the big Englishman because you're scared, John. I hope you get this message. And if we all collectively put that message out into the world, maybe John's ego will force him to be like, fine, I'll just kill Stipe real fast and then I'll go fight this dude. And that would be electric. Like That would be the biggest fight of the year. It would be the most anticipated fight on the calendar for me. I don't think it's going to happen, but we can all do our part by just negging John Jones into taking this fight. <laughs> This, this is, is an amazing take. This, this is the best take. This is the best take of the month. This is this is maybe you could put this on your Hall of Fame, Jed, because this is Thanks. like us collectively. I think almost, it's our only move. Us collectively inceptioning into John Jones' head why he should take this fight, like shaming him into it, would I bet you won't do it. The only you way that this is going to happen, but that is an actual feasible way that this happens, and I am now all in on this. We should absolutely do this. Just, I'm just going to neg him every time I'm on camera. I'm just going to add it into the end of the outro. Love y'all. John, you scared. <laughs> Get him there. <laughs> well, I mean, John did respond. Uh, I don't know if it was more of like a passing of the torch tweet or I don't know what it was. But I mean, let's be clear. Um, John John like that was that that interim was front and center right there is letting you know. Way to win that yeah. fake belt. 
But John John couldn't just come out and say way to win that fake belt. Come on, John. Is Cyril Gaon gonna get Aspinall next? Uh, probably. I don't know who else they gave it to him. Like, which is dumb, and I hate that. Cause like, dude, if you get mushed in the way you got mushed, you need to win too. Like, you don't get to beat Sergey Spivak and be like, I'm right back in the title picture. Like, beat one other homie. It's just, but I don't know who else gets it since Jailton did not impress. Like, I think Jailton should fight Zero Gone. I think that fight actually should happen. And then, I don't know, just put a warm body against Tom Aspinall. He's going to kill anybody in 60 seconds because that's all this dude does. If they make Tom Aspinall defend his interim belt before we actually get a John Jones title defense against Stipe, then just strip John Jones. What are we doing? You can't defend the interim belt while the active champion is, I don't know. Like, what can. I mean, it's sure, you, you can. Obviously, you can. But, like, come on. Guys, what we? I don't Dude, know. let's I mean, run back Tom and Curtis Blades when Curtis is back. Is how long is Curtis out right now? The knee hurt. I mean, Curtis just got knocked out by Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, that's fine. He didn't just get. I mean, that happened this summer or whatever. It's fine. That was. It's not like that was like nine he's, months ago. He's got a W over Tom Aspinall. We got to correct that. Well, we'll see what happens, but. uh a good day for the heavyweight division, I would say. Tom Aspinall, what a performance! You gotta get him in London, and if he's still the if he's defending the interim title in London, who cares? It's just gonna be Tom Aspinall doing Tom Aspinall things, and the crowd's gonna be behind him, singing his song, singing his name, and he's gonna look like an even bigger star if he comes through. So, hold on before we yeah, move on. Before please, we move on, please. Question for both of you: Is Tom Aspinall the number one heavyweight in the UFC right now? In your mind? Yes, undeniably. He will be ranked. Where did I rank? I think I ranked him at two behind John. I did. I would look, this may be being prisoner of the moment, and I wouldn't be shocked if I was wrong. Casey and I talked about this on the presser. I would pick Tom Aspinall to beat John Jones right now. Like if John wasn't hurt and they booked that fight for, you know, 300, I would pick Tom Aspinall to win. Wouldn't be like super confidently bet my whole house on it, but. I very much would like his chances to be John. That's not a hot take. Are you as confident? Yeah, I mean it's a great it's a great fight. It's just too bad there's a very small chance we get it, and it's unfortunate. But like Jed said, let's we could all come together. Heavy, heavyweight's so dumb because there are two fight there are three fights realistically that should be happening and that we should get just for our own sake as a sport. Francis versus John. Francis versus Tom. Tom versus John. And we're going to get zero of them. I mean, Jailton's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, it's a very dumb run. sport. Hey, maybe Derek Lewis gets a title shot after all this because he didn't get submitted or finished by, by Jailton Almeida. Uh, hey, listen, stranger things have happened. If they go to Manchester and Derek Lewis says yes, they would do it. It'd be a fun fight. People would actually care about it. So, plus he's a bigger star than Stipe, right? They should just like dance and try for this jail to whatever just do it. Did Jed freeze? Oh, I think we lost Jed. I'm Jed, here. Are you there? Is this how he's you frozen? Jed? Can I hear? We you? should maybe go off, off. Jed. <laughs> 
All right, let's let's uh, let's continue on. We also had Jessica Andrade with the Y'all Must Have Forgot performance. She just kind of runs over Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern was competitive for about four minutes. The final minute of round one, once she started really feeling Jessica with those leg kicks, she couldn't keep Jessica down. You could kind of see her just back going backwards. She was kind of just ready to be done with that fight. But Jessica Andrade gets it done. Her fifth fight of 2023 gets back in the win column. Starts off the year with the win. Ends the year with the win. Great job by her. Benoit Saint-Denis, absolutely ethering Mafravola. That was an incredible knockout. Just kicked him right in the face. Absolute brutality. Diego Lopez just making that case for rookie of the year. Gets a quick finish of Pat Sabatini. Shaheen, outside of the top two storylines, which performance, which moment stuck out to you the most tonight? Oh, man. I mean, outside of Brian Minor just being the worst oh. at his job that anybody has ever been at their job and there's going to be zero recourse and man just gets to skate off into the night and have a great old time in New York outside of that. Uh, let's see. I mean, Benoit Saint-Denis certainly stood out, right? Like that dude's going to be fighting for a UFC title probably like by the end of 2026 because lightweight's so dumb and clogged up and it just takes prospects a long time to be able to get the kind of fights that they need, but he's definitely going to be fighting for a title within the next couple of years. And I can't wait for that. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, I got to say Diego Lopez though, man. Oh boy. What a talent. What a, what a, what a, this featherweight division is just ridiculous, man. This new guard at featherweight, like the, the how loaded the coffers are right now with this next generation at 145 is just ridiculous. And now you can go ahead and throw this guy in the mix too. Like this, this man, just to like maybe you think you had a good year anybody out there listening to this this man's had a better year than you this dude's gonna be our rookie of the year probably unless i'm just not unless i'm totally missing just like a very obvious name like i don't know who else would be it who would be able to surpass him in that respect this dude this year has coached alexa grasso or helped coach alexa grasso to just this monumental title upset over valentina shevchenko one of those dominant champions of the last decade also almost beat mosar Evloev in his ufc debut mosar Evloev potential future champ right like actual guy in this division who will matter uh and then two straight first round stoppages and tonight was brutal dude tonight was like for for someone who is known as a jujitsu guy to be able to throw in hands the way and feet the way that he was tonight oh man 145 is so loaded it is so so loaded and that is always the thing of why when everybody was talking about oh volk has no one to fight volk has no one to fight just drove me insane because there are so many good names coming up right now at 145 who are starting to earn their shots and that was always the thing of just like yeah volk has a lot of people left to fight guys volk fought max a couple times like that that took up a lot of time there are a lot of names right now for volk to fight and i i am so in on diego lopez man that guy is super fun to watch yeah, Diego and Elvis Brenner are going to be battling it out for that rookie of the year spot. I think it's going to be those are the one and two guys. I I think right now, Brenner's three and zero. Oh, he's got some good wins, a uh, couple of finishes as well, and yeah, Lopez definitely putting himself in the mix. Jed, what was your biggest takeaway tonight outside of the top two fights? One, well, I just want to say, uh, Shaheen, welcome to the. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky been fighting all the way. It's a great bandwagon. People every day, day. It's great. I love being in a blind train forever. Happy to have more passengers. It has to be like that's the big takeaway because he looked awesome. 
no absolutely no qualm if you're like that's the dude i'm going away from you but is this is this rough I, for you guys i already yeah you might need to reset your uh situation all right we'll we'll make an effort then <laughs> all right there we go yeah the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist magomed magomedov and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, some good performances. Jared Gordon, nice win for him. Big moment. Jamal Emmers, even though he missed weight, nasty knockout. First finish in over three years since his first finish in the UFC. Just a lot of good things happen. Steve Ersig, Lupe Godinez, just quietly putting together just a really nice resume right now and a really nice streak. Josh Van, Kevin Borhouse, great fight. Yes, go ahead, Gene. Let me ask you, Mike, because I'm curious for your thoughts on this. You mentioned, you briefly mentioned Mackenzie Dern. To me, at least, and I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it, but I feel like, in, at least in the moment as we're speaking right now, tonight almost felt like an indictment on, maybe not an indictment, but like tonight felt like the final nail in the coffin of like, okay, this is this is what this is going to be, right? Like this is the McKenzie Dern in the UFC story. This is sort of the ceiling. We may have reached the ceiling because I don't know what we were watching, but that was such a drastic regression from her advancements in the Angela Hill fight and seemingly just her starting to piece together all of the different parts of her game. It's It's been so many years at this point, and yet we're still talking about her as if she's a prospect, talking about her as, you know, she's, she's a couple fights into the UFC career, still with the same complaints about just no ability to get the fight to where she needs to get it. She still has not really figured out a takedown or trip package in her, in her in her tool chest that consistently can work for her to get the fight where she wants it to be. She hasn't figured out that Damian Maya, you know, trip against the fence or anything like that. Like it feels like like she is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly inhumanly tough. And ultimately that that's starting to work against her, it almost feels like in some of these fights, like tonight where she's just getting dropped four times. I don't know, man. To me, if you tell me if you disagree, but to me, it felt like tonight was sort of the nail in the coffin, and Mackenzie Dern's probably going to be a UFC title contender conversation. Yeah, it's funny because, um, yeah, in Casey's here during the People's Pre-Fight Show, someone asked yeah. who on the main card has the most to lose, and we both said it was Mackenzie Dern. Like she needed this one, even with Andrade on the three-fight skid. If Dern didn't win this fight, that's it. Like the title hopes are done. And even with the win here, I still don't think that gets her there. I think it would have set up a fight with Tatiana Suarez, like a five-round main event type thing, like a true number one contender fight. They'd probably go with Zhang and Yan, and it's kind of a win-win for the UFC. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think she did have the most to lose heading in, and I think she lost a ton tonight. Not just the fight, but I think the door has slammed on her title hopes officially. And that's tough. It's it's a weird thing to say for someone who's only 30, right? Because we're seeing like like we were just talking about a 36-year-old who within the past two years has put together this Hall of Fame run. So it's it feels so short-sighted and stupid almost to, to be making these proclamations to for a 30-year-old. But 
it's just the lack of growth, man. Like, the, like there is, we have not seen these things improve at all over, over so many years at this point. It just feels like some people can't figure certain things out. And it just feels like that's just something she's never going to be able to figure out. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong so badly because I, I feel seeing her actual skill set, the jujitsu against the high level women in this division is always fun. It's just, we can't, we get such fleeting moments of it. I mean, she's, this is her third chance right now of like getting to that level and she's lost all three of them she lost to i mean she got beat by marina rodriguez she got beat by yan Jonan, and then she just got beat by jessica andrage like i don't know what else they could do for her at this point they've they've tried they've given her opportunities and i just i just don't think you can come back from it now like i think you can you know still be a top 10 fighter but i think you become kind of where Andrade was heading into this fight. Like, not a, I mean, close to a gatekeeper, but someone who's got a name that better or for worse, she's got to become kind of like, in a weird way, like almost the Caitlyn Chukagian of this division right now. Like, she's going to be the one that they're going to throw in there with like the young hungry whippersnappers who are good runs. Like, I'll, I'll give it on to the next one pick right now. I think Lupi Godinez should fight Mackenzie Dern next. Like, just do that fight and see if Lupi can get over that hump. Like, just give her a shot and see what she can do. And it's not like Mackenzie can – I mean, she could say no, but why would she? Like, this is kind of where Mackenzie Dern is now. And that's that's fine. You can still have a good career, but just three opportunities. It's disappointing. To to point, it's tough. It's tough. It's just disappointing because, I mean, especially yeah. for me, like I, I'm an Arizona guy. I, I grew up just hearing about her for years and years before – she was really like a mainstream thing right it was just like no this demon this demon on the mats she's she's incredible and then she was she's she was one of the best in jujitsu she was a top jujitsu champion for for a long time but i don't know man i thought i really thought this ufc run was going to amount to more and maybe it will ultimately again she's 30 but right now it's just disappointing yeah jed i think you're back you look you look clear i, I hope i'm back i could you sound you guys good the whole time you I can hear you all the whole time, so I don't know what was happening there, which is fun. Uh, yeah, two thoughts on Mackenzie Dern very quickly. One, I think what Shaheen said at the end there is sort of where I'm at. She's still really young. I doubt she's ever going to get like high because of the limitations, but weak division, still kind of old division. Three wins gets her there, particularly because she is someone with a name. And if she found herself like randomly in a title fight, she has the superior, like a superior skill set that could mean she might just F around and win a belt. Like it is a thing that could happen. So wouldn't like totally write her off, but um, I don't know the cake's pretty baked. Like she's not a bad striker, but she's an awful striker somehow. Like when she's not being panicky and weird, she can jab and do things. And then like, she feels some sort of internal pressure of like, ooh, I've been striking for too long. Now I must run forward recklessly. And it was a very, very weird performance in that regard and something that she has sort of repeatedly done. Um, but she's 30, got some t- like has talent. I think there's a world where she could figure something else out. But the most important takeaway from this fight, y'all, which I assume you didn't say because I didn't hear it because I was you know doing this, is – just think about this. Think about what we proved tonight at UFC 295, guys. Jiu-jitsu is fake and that the strongest style is punching people in the face real hard because multiple-time world champion Mackenzie Dern can't do anything in this. Alex Pereira comes to me as a two-division champion and might not actually be able to grapple. We're still not sure yet. So 
we've now definitively proved jujitsu doesn't matter. It's a great day for mixed martial arts. <laughs> well said. Uh, let's bring Casey in. Let's hear from you all. Take some questions from the peeps. It is 3.35 a.m. on the East Coast. Oh, it's early, baby. It's early. It's, it's super early. Before we take questions, I need us to note two things that I made marks of. First is uh, MSG rules um, because the last 10 main of main card fights that have happened at MSG have been finishes. So keep going to MSG. Keep bringing Alex Pereira to MSG. He's 3-0 there. Being the king of MSG is a great gimmick. The second thing. Can we talk about the stare down, boys? Because the main event stare down. The walkouts, Amazing. the music. It Amazing. was great. That was the best one of those in a long time. I think that's, yep. that's, that, that's why the stoppage hurt me so much because the card was incredible. The walkouts for the main event, the music, and then the stoppage. That's all. Dude, the stare down was so Pereira and, just didn't move an inch. And they had and a cool Yuri's camera angle, that camera angle behind Yuri. Yeah. Looking, oh, it was great. And Yuri stares the whole time like he's like the the master in a you know an old martial arts film, like I'm about to teach you something, my child, while Pereira's staring daggers through him and not moving an inch. Like it was whoo, I was so ready for that fight when that was happening. I don't know what Bruce Buffer was saying, I didn't care. I just wanted them to get after it. It was yeah, awesome. Man. Just the it's both of those guys just have like a weird mystical quality to them now. Uh, just after the history we have with them and sort of what they represent. And I mean, even at the weigh-ins, we talked about it on the preview show, but their stare stare down on official weigh-ins was just like the best non-eventful stare down I've ever seen in my entire life where nothing actually happened, but it was giving me chills. And it's just something about these two dudes. It's, I love it, man. I, I, I know Prayer. I, I know Prayer Izzy is like the big rivalry, but I hope the UFC with proper matchmaking and a little bit of trash talk that Pereira and Yuri will somehow become like this great trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope Yuri's just like one fight away from running it back because I, I don't know. I feel like there's something there. Like we had, a, we're on the edge of like a great rivalry. That's not trash. I mean, talk. You, you know what I mean. Like, I think I think that's super feasible, right? Like, like Yuri, Yuri is a very uncommon. He's he's similar to Alex in that he's a very uncommon case in that like he's had four UFC fights. It feels like he's had a lot more UFC fights. He's had four UFC fights, and he's probably the second biggest star in that division, right? Like who who else is there he's like the second biggest name like people love him and justifiably because the fights are insane and everything about him is insane and that's just what we want out of it we want characters we want these people we want these fighters to be people we could see in like a mortal Kombat game or something and and yuri so much is that guy like he's he's absolutely he is absolutely one fight away from fighting for the title again yeah this could be like poirier gaichi of the light heavyweight division I don't want to wait that long to run it back a second yeah. time, but I think we're all going to be hankering for it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, we got here. Um, What's next for Jessica Andrade? Uh, I'm going to answer this. I mean, I think I already answered. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't know. What is next for Jessica Andrade? You could do loopy Jessica Andrade, too. I mean, there's there's options of plenty here. I mean, what a year, though, right? What a year for Jessica Andrade. Five fights. It looks like she was almost done, done, like a couple of months ago, and now she's right back at basically where she started. Very weird year. Yep. 
26th. That was her 26th fight in the UFC. That track. That makes sense. That's insane. I, I, all, I, that, all three divisions. All three divisions, yeah. Um, future Hall of Famer. Definitely future yeah. Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's incredible, yeah. I'm really Just, glad she found a way to a title because hers is the career that doesn't have a title normally. Like, you just see this, and I'm yeah. really glad she found the way to get one because that's, that's I think it's pretty necessary and I'm very that's happy up. for it. And that's, that, that's a great yeah, we, point because yeah. you're right. We've seen this in so many other divisions. The all-action so fighter who, who all-action fighter who accepts every single fight, who, who transcends divisions, just kind of bounces around in divisions but is always super fun and super violent. That person never wins a title. You're so they right. They like get a shot but then it just doesn't, you know, it's and then she found one. It was awesome. I was really happy that she got one. QA caught her the um the female um RDA in a sense. I was like, oh, yeah. I kind of get that. Super long yeah, career, got, got that title, got that title, and just all you just always knew you had a fight with her. So uh, yeah. There's only one answer Plus, to this question. Uh, oh. And I'm gonna keep throwing this out. I'm gonna keep throwing this out until it happens. It's Rose. It's the Rose trilogy. That's the fight. You can do it at 15 sure. or 25, it don't matter. That's cool. the fight to make. I love that. That's the call. Yeah, uh, you're pretty good at this matchmaking thing, Mike. Maybe you should do a show about it. I, I might, I might, I might start one tomorrow at ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> also, the commentary reminded me of something that I knew to be true, but I forgot that she has a win over Larissa Pacheco, which is freaking wild. What? <laughs> yeah, you dropped Pacheco in the UFC. Yeah. In the UFC, in the UFC at, at thirty-five, it's dude. I, I was stunned. Wild. <laughs> I was stunned. John went there. John Anik went there. I didn't. As soon as he Dude. went there, as as soon as he started it too, it was like, okay, John, like how, how is he going to say PFL? No, he's not going to. John had some of those tonight because he he shouted out Nimkov like unnecessarily when Rogan was pretty clearly like not talking about it when he was like, yeah, Yuri's got all these other wins and Rogan's like dancing around. He's like Nimkov and Rogan's like, oh yeah, I guess Nimkov, sure. <laughs> like he he had a couple of those. He's feeling frisky today. Yeah. Well, Anik had to read 18 power slap promos and you could hear his voice like cringe every single time he had to read them. It was it was pretty funny. Plus, plus he might have known that Dana was going to absolutely eviscerate the idea of co-promotion in the afterwards. So it's fine. Like, no, <laughs> we'll never do that. Oh, man. You stupid, I, I love that question. By the way. Whoever that, asked that, that question. Great job, by the way. You stupid reporter. person. You dumbest man. I don't know who it was who did that, but you were so close to having a moment and you just didn't. You weren't prepared. You weren't prepared for the pushback, and it was such an easy response to be able to give back. It was. You you hadn't, you weren't ready for it. Just, uh, we can't all be Alex Perez. I wanted to hand him notes. Say this now. He tried. He's a trier, and I give him (laughs) props for that. At least he asked the question. He's going to get kind of posterized for the response stupid stupidest question of the day how how dare you suggest that we put on the biggest possible fight in the history of the world right now how dare you (laughs) you stupid nonsense we make the fights people want to see (laughs) except that one Uh, (laughs) um questions uh hold on Uh, we have a fight at 297 
that could decide Alex's first challenger, Blahovich versus Rakic 2, and also contenders lining up. How would the light heavyweight division look if Alex gets what he wants with Izzy? I mean, that, that feels pretty – it's not going to happen, or at least it's not going to happen immediately. But it would – in that scenario, it would be Alex fights Izzy, uh, Johnny Walker and Magomed and Kalaya fight. The win, their winner gets next. And then uh, the Blackowitz Rakic 2 winner probably has to fight one more time. And then they get next maybe against Yuri. Yeah. But, like, if Izzy wins, that would just be a nightmare. Would. That's and the problem. So, yeah. It would just be really awful if Izzy won. <laughs> So. Why would it be oh, awful? Be I, I push. I push back on that. Like Ooh. I get. I get. It's it's fashionable to hate Izzy right now, but Izzy's an incredibly no. active champion. No, like, I, that, this is not it's it's fashionable to hate Izzy. Well, it's just like then, what are we doing? Like it's. I don't know. Then he. Then he's Charles the Spurs light heavyweight best, champion. He gets to fight the light heavyweight in the world. That's going to be weird. I'm not okay with that. I mean, then he's the light heavyweight champion. He fights the Mago Ben of Johnny Walker winner. He, he's an active. He wants to be. I mean, he has he been just, an active champion in the past. I'm just, not. But just oh, get Magum at the belt. He's the best guy in the weight class. Just get him the belt and stop all this nonsense. Bro, I agree with you, but also there's a very good chance the Mago Ben Ankalaev era sucks. He's never going so to I'm not, yeah, There's a good chance that era sucks and is very yeah. not fun to watch. Oh, so I'm not like in a hurry for it. It's going to be a miserable era, but he's just never going to get to have that era. All right, I'm gonna just throw this do, the thing. do the thing, UFC. Do the thing. I'm putting this question just to annoy Jed. Question, has there ever been anyone with a better chance of becoming three-weight champion than AP? Yes. Is there, oh. I mean, I, I, I think Henry Cejudo has a better chance than Pereira does of beating John Jones or Tom Aspinall. Like, I think Pereira could have success at heavyweight. I don't think he can have success at heavyweight against the absolute upper echelon of that, that division. Tom Aspinall is going to feed him his ass, like, if they fought. That's like, just how that would go. And I love Alex Pereira, but that fight would be over quickly. So on the feet? I don't think he has a good chance at it. Do you think Aspinall would, would, could win on the feet? Or do you have to well, use I, that? I do, all, I do believe he could win on the feet because we just saw him dummy up Pavlovich. But I don't think he would, would even do that. I think as soon as he takes it over. We've seen that Pereira is actually a better defensive grappler than he gets credit for. But... He is not a proactive one. He is all about trying to stay safe. And I think Tom Aspinall would just run his shit as soon as it got over. Like, I, I think that, um, I feel like there, I do think, like, I would not have picked Henry Cejudo to beat Volkanovsky, obviously, but it would be far less surprising to me if Henry Cejudo found a way to game out a win over the top featherweight than it would be if Alex Pereira beat John Jones, you know, or whatever. Yeah, it's just a size thing. It's, it, the, the, I mean, when when size is unlimited, like that's where you probably meet the road, right? Although I yeah, just, I, would, I know it's not, I know it's not a championship fight, but man, I just want to see Alex Pereira versus Derek Lewis. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> fun as hell. It'd be dope. And I'd just, like Pereira could easily, maybe I'd pick him to win that fight. You know, I think he could beat a lot of heavyweights. I'm not saying he couldn't have success up there, but heavyweight is so stratified into haves and have-nots. I don't think he can beat the haves. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think who else could have been. Well, I mean, so the actual best answer to this was Valentina Shevchenko at a period where she could have won the women's featherweight title too if she had just beaten the men in the But that era passed us by. So 
I think the actual best answer to this is probably Robert. Anderson Silva because the heavyweight division was pretty bad at the beginning of Anderson sure. Silva's run, and he definitely could have obviously yeah. been light heavyweight champion as well. Historically, there are a number of people that I think like could have fit in. Like there was very much a time window where Frankie Edgar could have if he had been fighting at like 135 by the time he'd done that. Um, I'm trying to think slightly more currently, but yeah, I think Anderson would be a great answer for that. Anderson, this is a different tangent, but like Anderson's career is such an interesting case study of like if Anderson came up today in today's climate and today's sort of rule set that we work within with these divisions and title shots, et cetera. Dude, Anderson Silva would have been a two division champion so fast. <laughs> like he would have been rushed into that second title shot so damn quickly. Yeah. Almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's an argument Anderson could have won four too, because we talked about when we did the Anderson dam, Anderson beat uh, Mark Sakurai as a welterweight. Mark yeah, was like one of the top four fighters in the world. So I think that there are others and we'll probably have, but I, like if, if I had to pick a person now, the answer is Connor, because again, winning titles in multiple weight classes is more about opportunity than like all time excellence because just not everyone gets the chance. If Connor beats Michael Chandler, there's a non-zero chance that he gets to fight Colby Covington for the welterweight title next year. And then, like, it just takes one left hand, and then there we go. Jessica Connor could Andrade fight Colby was... 10 times, and he's losing that fight 10 times. Jessica Andrade Probably. wasn't too far away from a championship fight at 35. I mean, she yeah. did beat Raquel Pennington, who is fighting for the belt in a couple in a yeah. few weeks. So, Jessica Andrade, I mean, maybe not won them all, but number one contender in three weight classes, for sure. That's the thing. I'm not good. I don't care if you win in two. If you win in three, I'll start admitting that that's pretty freaking impressive <laughs> as an accomplishment. That's a pretty powerful one. All right. Uh, did you, um... BJ beat Leota Machida at light heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a bit of a broad question. Uh, which, what is each of you guys' top three fights you're looking forward to in 2024? Top three? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, um, Give one, maybe. Uh, isn't this easy? Didn't they? Because right. like, we just announced a bunch of title fights and all of them were bangers. I mean, DDP Strickland for me. That's a good one. Number one. Baltimore is up there. Number two. That's number two for me. And then Honestly, three, three is Sean and Cheeto for me. Probably number three for me. I could also be convinced of that being something else. It would be How? it would be Pereira Jamal Hill for me. That would be number three. I, I just have so many questions about questions both of those guys, honestly. And I think that would be a great fight to get some answers. Where does Jones where does the eventual Jones Stepe booking? Don't, I do not care. Not on the list. 19. I have, I have never that, been interested in that fight. <laughs> and I, I am with you. I'm with you. I think it's just so interesting. Yet, like, we work in the industry. We do this for a living for many years now. And yet the biggest money-making fight is not even, like, not even our top ten. Why, it's why, a dichotomy why, what is, it's dark. Because we, because we know the joke. And the people who broadly help boost these things are not. They're casuals. They know the names of people. They don't understand the context of what is happening. Yeah, I was just, it's still kind of 
floors me. Like when it, it, it kind of it's weird. It's, it's definitely it's, weird. It's just weird. Yeah. I just don't I'll tell. You, I'll, I'll I'll add another one. I'll add another one. MSG twenty twenty four. One of the first main card fights: Benoit Santini versus Rafael Fiziev. Because we ain't gonna get that next for BSD. But if I'm gonna pick BSD yeah. to probably fight the Hooker Bobby Green winner. And then if he beats them, he will fight Rafael Fazeev at MSG in November. When he's Fazeev is the first. Fazeev is the first fight I wanted, and then Casey was like, "Isn't he hurt?" And I was like, "Oh, that's right. That's yeah." But then we decided that's a, that like, that's a brutal way to introduce Rafael Fazeev back to the mix. Like, hey, I know you just came off a torn ACL. Here's Benoit Saint Denis. Enjoy it. Jeez, that's man. just what that's that's lightweight. If you're gonna be at the that's top, lightweight, lightweight is a wood chipper in a shark tank. You're just that's lightweight. You're just fighting for your life every time out there. But Saint Saint Denis <laughs> has to be the easiest guy to match making. You can literally that guy, awesome fight. That guy, awesome fight. There's not there's not a bad fight you can match make for Saint. That being right said, if you're an actual matchmaker, he is probably the hardest guy to match make in that division. The other, right yeah, now. he's there. Because like, I'll tell you, he, he's calling out. He's calling out Gambrod. He's calling out Poirier. He is getting none of those fights. Those dudes are not taking that. Come on. Gamrod might fight. Gamrod, Gamrod, I don't know. Gamrod, maybe. No, Gamrod already did his favors to these guys. He's not going that far back again. Well, here, but here's the issue. No one wants to fight Gamrod above him either. So it's like... You're just and kind that, of boxed in because Poirier won't fight anybody, <laughs> and Gaethje's not fighting unless it's for the title. And Michael Chandler's desperately hanging on to Connor. Like they're just not going to fight these dudes, so it's tough. Fazeev's hurt. I guess I could see Sarukian after if Sarukian beats Benil Dariush, he deserves better. But I could see him just being stuck there and be like, I guess I'll fight him. Whatever. Yeah, better not happen. Um, Mike, do you think Sarukian's getting a title shot next year? Because I got to tell you, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I got I got bad news for you if you think if you think it is. <laughs> I think he may very well be uh, Benny Dariush. I don't well, think that's gonna, going to matter at all. Well, Islam's like, going to fight Charles, and then he's going to fight Gaethje. So yeah, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be Benio tough. Dariush is not, or and, and Armand's not going to fight anyone above him because none of them will take the fight with him. It's just jail. It's just prison. But I wish uh, we could match make BSD with some people because I'd watch him fight Gagey all day long. That would be cool. Pereira and Ngana both competing for Fighter of the Year? No. I, don't, I mean, I, don't, Alex, I won't have either of them on a ballot. Alex's run is incredible, but he's also on the receiving end of the knockout of the year. <laughs> like... I don't know that I can put him as fighter of the year right now. I, I, it's Sean Strickland. He might, it's Sean he Strickland. He make like a list of 10. I think Poetan would make a list of 10 for me, but. It's going to be Sean Strickland. Yeah, yeah. It's either going to be Sean Strickland or Ngannou, because I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people on this team who right now, if we did this, would put in Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Well, He'll be well, one. I understand I, that. I don't well, think I'll do it. I understand it. I don't think I'll do it. Uh. <clears throat> Uh, I may break my rule and I might put Islam up high in that list, even though I will hate it. Leon, Leon gets a win over Colby. He's going to be fairly high on the list. But yeah, I mean, I, th I think Strickland is probably in the driver's seat right now. If Pantoja beats Royval, he's on, he's on the list. If Pantoja if beats Royval, I might just do it. 
That's actually true. The winner of that might end up being mine because I don't know if I can give it to Sean Strickland in good conscience. Like and I just do you? It's it's looking back in five years. Do you want to look back and be like Sean Strickland was the fighter of the year because he beat Apis? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. Look well, that that's world. not that's not why he was fighter of the year. <laughs> Let's be Same genuine here. That's, but that's that that's part but, that's part of the story, and I don't want to look back and say that I have standards. Oh. I think you need to go back and listen to the first 30 minutes of the UFC 294 post-fight show and still tell me if you feel the same way. Upset That's the only post-fight show of the year that I've gone back and listened to after the fact, outside of just like the production purposes of getting it on the podcast network, because it is literally the funniest post-fight show ever. I agree. I, I agree. It was one of the funniest things. And I'm not opposed to you making fight of the year, but... It's just the year. That's that's upset, funniest event of the year. Yeah, all those things. But I I don't know. I it, in twenty twenty eight. I don't want to look back and be like we really picked Sean Strickland. I, I think we'll have regrets if we do that. It's kind of it's kind of like when like Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture. Like what were we thinking? It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, almost actually almost exactly like that. Case. Like, well, that movie's fine. I mean, it's fine, but that's man. weird. Pulp Fiction was out that year. Yeah, hmm. Pretty odd, you know. Yeah, but here's the yeah, thing: yeah. there's not a there's not a more compelling option. Like, if anything, I, Strickland in, winning in is emblematic. Is no, no, no. Now. If anything, Strickland winning as much is, like, incredibly emblematic of what 2023 was. I think I'm picking Ngannou. I think I'm going to lock him. <laughs> he fought the UFC and won. Like, that's a pretty big win. He's he's the fighter who defined the year the most to me, all right? Like, if I think back on 2023 as a year, I think Ngannou is the answer. And then it's probably Strickland. And honestly, even though I hate this, Islam's probably third. It's just the biggest moments, but I'm we still have time, you know? We don't have to solve this now, but yeah. somebody I did see somebody ask me this question and I have the answer, but I had to pause for a second, which made me really unhappy. Um, is Poetan's career better than Habib's? I do not believe it is, but like you can't say that it's not like a snap call, right? Do you mean like his UFC like career, his MMA career, yeah. or his combat okay, like sport his, career? Like his well, I mean, his combat sport career certainly, but I'm just like even if you just restrict it to his MMA career, like no, no, it's, it's, not. it's not. But it's I don't think that's a snap call. You sort of have to pause for a minute and be like, I don't know, this is really it, impressive what he's done in this short span. It, it did. It did. It did make me pause. I got. I did have to go through my kind of yeah. topology record in my head real quick. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to think about it for a second, and then you're like, no, obviously yeah. not. But isn't that insane that a dude with seven fights has that like overall favor? Nuts. To me, to me, that's no. I, that's not even. I didn't have to stop and think about it. Like his combat sports career is much better, but Habib Nurmagomedov was the best fighter that I have ever seen. I I agree. Also. Combat sports career. We're just gonna discount all of Habib's world Samba. world combat sambo championships. Come on, bro. And his five hundred street fights. Mm-hmm. Undefeated I mean, in the streets. And, Motherfucker and, beat and, a bear. You I, tell me when Poetan beats a bear, and then we can start talking. You know? I've seen him play basketball. Poetan versus a bear. Who who's winning that? Who's picking that right now? How big a bear? 
like a small black bear, I think Poton can put the left on him, you know, but a grizzly, you, go. you gotta always pick the grizzly, you know. Yeah, I mean I still wouldn't I'd still give Poton a chance to reach, you know. Dude, he puts that it'll is be, the it'll, best be, it'll, be, it'll be some weird stoppage. Like <laughs> flash knockout, <laughs> like, grizzly. We if it's, this if, is, if it's uh, in New we, York, if it's if it's versus a grizzly in MSG, Poton, easy. Is Brian Minor a judge? Ah, oh, We've really reached some 4 a.m. type of conversation. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think we have. Brian Miner had a day. Respect to that. <laughs> I aspire to be so bad at my job and it not matter at all. Like that man is crazy. That's crazy. the thing. Like <laughs> no one else, no other job in the world could you be this bad at it. And it, no one really literally the only other job is anything. like Nepo baby <laughs> where it just doesn't matter that you fail. It's like I'm good. I, yeah, well, my favorite my favorite part of all of this is that like okay, he had the two really bad ones in a row where like you just had a really bad 30 minutes. But then like to come in later in the night and be like, Dern. "Hey, this McKenzie Dern, Jessica Andrade, I think she won that round." I think I think the one who got really messed up probably won that round, guys. That's just yeah, that's yeah. The very on yeah, top. We're, we're trashing McKenzie Dern. McKenzie Dern's like, "I won that round. What are you talking about? I had, yeah, I had a bad oh, second no, round, no, but no. I won the first Before round. I got dropped." <laughs> We're good. One one. Dude, that's a very bad card. It's a very bad card. Are we good? Yeah, I think think we're kind of judging I've ever seen. Yes. Well, hey, listen, what an event it was. We had it all. We had one terrible judge, multiple incredible performances, new champions, new stars rising. New contenders. We had it all. MSG had it all. We had a walkout with Dana White, Donald Trump, Kid Rock, and Tucker Carlson tonight. I mean, literally, everything happened at Madison Square Garden. It'll, let's see what they bring to MSG next year. But a lot coming up. We got a rare we'll weekend. Alex Ferrer oh, knocking no, not, some dude out because that's all he does. Yeah, I didn't we're see back to the apex. I saw, I saw a bad stoppage, but moving we, on. <laughs> we got a. We, we're back at the apex next week. Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Early card. Casey, maybe this is it. As I recall, you also didn't like the last time Alex Pereira had a stoppage in the main event at Madison Square Garden. I like this one less. (laughs) Well, there was a lot to like, and we will reflect on this throughout the week on all of our programming. So for Jed, Casey, Sean, I am Mike Hack. Thank you for watching. Good night, everybody. Love y'all. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.